Let's get into it then. All right. Awesome sauce. I ask that the gods and goddesses of our respective paths bless this circle so that we may be free and protected within this space. And if you have this one word, pagan or paganism. For the pagan community. Exactly. Right. The, the big umbrella. And that was fucking fantastic. Of the podcast ever. We're three pagans. Exactly. We're three pagans. And a cat. And may the works this day of be of the highest good for all present and those listening. So mote it be. The circle is cast. What is the use of a house if you haven't got a tolerable planet to put it on? Welcome to Celestial Bodies, the Earth, the 118th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of 19th century naturalist Henry David Thoreau. Thanks to Velocity Rose for our intro music. You can find more of their work at VelocityRose.com. You may call me Ode. And you can call me... Not Car. <laughs> Mary Meet. My name is Gwyn, Ode's mother. Car, unfortunately, due yes, to has a migraine. migraine, is not going to be joining us. We do appreciate you all being really just generous mm-hmm. in uh, that we've missed several episodes <laughs> this month. We are here, Ode and I. We're yes. here. We are excited. I love that quote, and I want you to send it to me or make it in a poster or okay. something for me, because <laughs> that is awesome. I love Henry David Thoreau, yeah. for one thing. He got the vibe. He got the vibe. But I love that quote. So if you hadn't hmm. figured it out, we're talking about the Earth, y'all. We're talking y'all. about the Earth. We're doing the continuation of our Celestial body series with the Earth. We're going to be doing other planets at later times, but we figured we'd start with the one we live on. That's right. Well, we didn't We didn't start. We, we are well, to the know, moon but, and but, the but sun. The, but the, we'll start the planets they're, with the one we live on. Rather than starting of, the planets with, like, Mercury. Well, okay. That's fair. Yeah, you know, I figured we'd start the planets with the one we live on. Okay. That's, that's most that's relevant fair. to us. That's fair. As yeah. humans. But they, but the moon and the sun are yeah, so yeah, celestial we did, we, bodies. Yes, exactly, and we started with those, <laughs> like in a broader sense. But yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, listen, focus. On. <laughs> All right, I'll focus. So, I'll focus. <laughs> so first we have housekeeping. Yes, but Car is not here to do. Car is not here to to do his bit. His car has a thing he does on Sundays at two p.m. Unless he's not feeling unless well. Unless he's ill or has forgotten it. Yeah. Or. You know, overslept or whatever. And it's just a get-together, a chit-chat on Zoom. A Zoom call where they they just talk and hang out because Car is an extrovert and misses people during these times of COVID. Yes. And then Gwen? Extended times of COVID. Yes. (laughs) Gwen, talk about the things you do. Uh, Well, I have been doing an 8 a.m. Monday morning guided meditation uh, that's 8 a.m. Eastern. I'm starting to wind down. I think we're going to just go through the end of this year. Mm-hmm. And then there will be, there are plenty for people to listen to. <laughs> a backlog. Use a backlog on Facebook. Mondays, 8 a.m. Eastern. It's 15, 20 minutes. It's not very long. But it's just something to start the week. Mm-hmm. And then I don't do anything on a weekly basis, but I am at this time of the year managing the Yuling, which is our pride-specific secret Santa. That's right. If you'd like to sign up for the Yuling. If you'd like to sign up for the Yuling, you can go to tinyurl.com backslash threepackyule. That's the number three, P-A-A-C-Y-U-L-E. And all the instructions for signing up are there. There is a new ruling this year mm-hmm. that if by December 15th you haven't gotten your stuff in the mail, you need to... Email me at ode at threepagansandcat.com. Uh, Euling ruling says B.S. Blackwell. Yes, correct. <laughs> That's right. This is the new Euling ruling. <laughs> um, 
is that if you don't email me to let me know uh, if there's a problem with shipping your gift to your partner. Or it's going to go late. Or if it's going to be late. Or, or if there's going to be any kind of issue with getting your stuff in the mail, you need to email me. If you don't email me by the deadline, by the time you're supposed to have everything in the mail... Uh, you will be banned from the Yuling moving forward just because we last year in particular had a bunch of people not receive their gifts. And that was... It's very disheartening. Yeah, obviously disappointing to those people. So. And this year's already been a bitch. So we don't yeah, need exactly. to have people's Yuling ruined because, <laughs> you know, they don't receive a gift after they sent one. Yeah. And, you know, it's a whole thing. So there's there's no shame if you do run into an issue where you can't get your stuff in the mail by the 15th. You just have to let me know by the 15th so that we can make other arrangements. That's right. And that's December 15th. Yes. And... And again, that's ode, O-D-E, at mm-hmm. 3 pagans at a cat dot com for yep, the for, email. For email. All Yuling yep. concerns should go to that email because that's where I'm handling all of that. That's right. And if you send me a message or send Kara a message on Facebook, we're going to direct you yes, to Ode. To, to email me. <laughs> we're going to tell you email Ode. Yes. Because we actually have They have. They are nothing, completely hands off of Yuling. Yeah. They, they have, have nothing to do with it. <laughs> they have nothing to do with it. I handle the whole... Kit and caboodle. That's it's right. just easier that it's way. It's just easier for, that for way. For one person to be the... That's right. And so all you'll get is a contact O. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so just, just putting that out there. Yep. And then before we get started on our topic tonight, I do just want to say thank you always to our listeners mm-hmm. for hanging with us, obviously, yes. for supporting us, uh, even when we are absent because of illness <laughs> or one or exhaustion. Or exhaustion. Uh, but also just your emails, your mm-hmm. messages, how you interact with each other. You're always so active on the Discord. We love right? it. We absolutely love you guys. We love the pride. We love how you help each other. Mm-hmm. And you guys, it, I, I'm. it's like always, whenever we need to pick me up, someone invariably mm-hmm. sends us a message unbeknownst to them that we needed yeah, that a little was, encouragement. Yeah, it's always just sort of the right, the, the, the right thing at the right, the right moment. Yeah. That's right, exactly. So we just wanted to say how much we love and appreciate everyone in the Pride. We also want to thank our patrons mm-hmm. who help us keep going. Yep, so keep thank the lights you. on. Thank you very much because we know how hard it is Especially this during year, these times. Yeah. These times. And we really appreciate your support. Auntie M says, it's a family I got to choose. That's right. Yep. The Pride is chosen family. So we love you guys. Time to begin. This is going to be a very Gwyn-heavy episode, I think, because <laughs> because Gwyn is an Earth Witch. I am an Earth Witch. So uh, this true. is this is very relevant to her interests. I, I'm a little excited because I love the Earth. <laughs> the Earth is one of my deities. Yep. And I'm actually starting the a tradition, <laughs> you know, that is part of honoring and worshiping the Earth deity. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm excited. Yep. So, but I want to start with some science, like we do when we do these episodes. Let's start with the basics. Mm-hmm. The Earth is the third planet from the sun. That's right. Third rock. Third from rock the sun. from the sun. It is 71% composed of water. I know. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And what's more amazing than that is that only 2.5% of that water is fresh water. Mm-hmm. It's mostly... It's mostly salt. Salt water. Yep. Yeah. And that's why, you know, even though our planet is largely composed of water, we still run into, you know, droughts mm-hmm. and things. Mm-hmm. Even though, you know, now we have desalination. Yeah, desal- we have um, ways to convert the salt water but it's to, extreme- u- to make it usable. Yeah, but it's extremely energy intensive. Yep. To, to do large-scale desalination, which is why when uh, there's water scarcity, water is difficult to transport. It's a problem. It's a, yeah, it's, and, and this is why 
things like water rationing mm-hmm. still exist. This is why it's so important to take care of the water of mm-hmm. our planet. Why? Yeah, yeah, our hydrosphere is one of the most important components yes. of this planet. And we fuck it up all the all time. All the damn time. So we are, yes, we are harping right now on <laughs> conservation and <laughs> ecological yeah, but the, problems here because we do need to take care of our planet and water because it's 70% of the... And because we all need it we to need live. It. We need it. It's it's important. Yeah. So, but we're going to get off that can, and go you can only you, you can only go, what, three days without water? I think so. Yeah, yes. like it's you, not long. You get like 72 hours Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> if, you you don't, go, if you don't have enough water. You can go longer without food you cannot go very long without water exactly so So managing our hydrosphere is going to be one of the premier concerns uh of this of the of this species of this yeah moving forward it continues to be uh something that we need to care about Mm -hmm. more general factoids about the earth i love the earth one of the things that i think people have sort of a misconception about the earth is that they think of it as sort of a static rock mm-hmm. in space like it's not they know that the rock in space is spinning mm-hmm. around things and that it has gravity but they still think of it as sort of like a solid object mm-hmm. but it's very much not it's gases our, our, and well well our minerals and liquids and <laughs> our, our planet is very geologically complex yes it is so for starters we have the molten core obviously yes. yeah and then there are layers of uh, sort of strata of matter built up around the core and even the relative surface of the planet is not static it's Mm -hmm. composed of or it's broken into what we call tectonic plates Mm -hmm. constantly shifting Uh uh-huh um there are seven large tectonic plates and quite a few smaller ones sort of sandwiched in between them Mm -hmm. that are yeah constantly moving and flowing over the surface of the planet and this is the cause of things like earthquakes and volcanic activity activity and things like that and and volcanoes are constantly still creating Mm -hmm. more tectonic tectonic activity there there are actually a lot of factors involved in the creation of tectonic activity some of its tides some of its gravity Mm -hmm. some of its the rotation of the earth some of its activity from the core so tectonic movement is very complex but and it's and it happens at a level so subtle that most of the time we don't notice it. But I think it's yep. really it sort of changes your perception of the mm-hmm. planet to think of it as a thing that is sort of moving and breathing all the time. It is, and that's the thing. It is breathing, mm-hmm. and it is that's why it's and so- it's actually it's breathing even more literally than that, right? Yes. So like the tectonic plates are shifting, and that's sort of the active motion of the mm-hmm. Earth, mm-hmm. but. In terms of breathing, the way the atmosphere is composed and its mm-hmm. relation and the um, the interactions between the components of our atmosphere and like the trees, trees that mm-hmm. do all this photosynthesis, they call the rainforest the Earth's lung for a reason. Mm-hmm. It really is breathing for all of us, exactly. converting carbon dioxide into oxygen exactly and i think there's a a place i it might be here in michigan there's another smaller area of breathing that is important to to our planet and the other thing is that there is a rhythm to the earth that's the thing is when you have to understand there's a rhythm to the earth there's a rhythm to the breath of the earth as Mm -hmm. as the trees and the plants and the flowers and it's not even just the ecosystem right it's the whole biosphere the the whole biosphere it's very delicate but it has this amazing balance that Mm -hmm. allows all of us to exist here and even that balance is constantly shifting it is We've had on this planet 
multiple extinction events. We're currently, arguably, in one right now called the Holocene extinction event, Mm -hmm. which is the activity of mankind on the Earth causing the extinction of multiple species. Multiple species, Um, But prior to us, there have been conventionally the, quote, big five Mm -hmm. mass extinctions. Mm -hmm. And in the course of the 4.5 billion years that the planet has existed, and the potentially as many as 4.1 billion years that life of some kind has existed on it, 99% of all species that have ever existed on the Earth are extinct. Mm -hmm. Some of those species weren't around for very long. Mm -hmm. Some of them weren't very complex. Most of them were uh, extinct long before we existed Mm -hmm. as a species or even uh, our ancestors existed as a species. A lot of it was prokaryotic life Mm -hmm. or or very, very simple life. But 99% of all species that have ever existed on this planet are extinct now because the planet is more enduring than any of the stuff on it. Yes, yes. That's one of the things that I think conservation sort of misses the mark on. Mm -hmm. Um, You often see conservationists talking about preserving the planet for the planet's sake. But the planet's going Mm -hmm. to be fine. The planet will exist. It may exist in a different form. It may adapt to something else, to Mm -hmm. some other form of life. But really what conservation is about is preserving our species, exactly. and the species that exist with us. Exactly. And that we do need. And that we do need. We are part of so This is the thing that I feel is very important, and I've heard other pagan leaders talk about this, and uh, I, I've raised my voice on this mm-hmm. as well on Patheos Pagan, and that humanity, and I do blame several large religions for this concept, humanity does not live above nature. We do not rule above nature. We live within it in a partnership. Right. And we have forgotten all that in a lot of ways. We try to conquer and rule over and marshal the resources, but we forget we actually live within nature and need to work in cooperation with it. I think the the first stumbling block that we've encountered with this this concept of being part of the biosphere and part of the ecosystem rather mm-hmm. than the rulers of the ecosystem mm-hmm. is that we don't think of humans as animals. Right. Humans are just your bog standard mammals. Yep. We're not special. We're just normal animals. And I know Now, I admittedly, have... we're strange animals. And very sophisticated animals. But we're still just animals. Mm-hmm. We have the same kind of instincts. We have the same kind of emotional range, mm-hmm. and they're even tool- other tool-using animals. They just aren't as sophisticated in their tool use as we are. We mm-hmm. are exactly the same biologically, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. in terms of our construction yeah. as any other animal on yeah. this planet. We're very close. All of the species on Earth are very similar mm-hmm. on, like, a molecular level. Exactly. And so I think that's important to remember. And so when we are, you know, when we're when we're trying to do things like preserve water, preserve the rainforest, mm-hmm. take care of species that are uh, in danger of disappearing from the mm-hmm. earth, whether it is an animal or a plant or a tree or whatever it is, any of these conservation and uh, eco-friendly things that we do, it's not really to save the planet. No, it's it to save us. It is to save our environment and to save our species and the species that we live with. I think describing it as our environment is mm-hmm. a very is useful that- way to do it. Mm-hmm. Because it is, it, it's not the planet or even 
the other species on the planet that we need for the planet to continue existing in the way that it currently does. Mm -hmm. What we need to preserve for the sake of humans Mm -hmm. is the environment we are capable of living in. That's right. That's right. And so we Our habitat. Our habitat. (laughs) We need to preserve our habitat for us and our animal friends and our plant friends Mm -hmm. and our tree friends Mm -hmm. (laughs) and our fish friends. We need to preserve our biosphere. Exactly. That's what we need to work on. But that's the thing. When you really stop to think about it, and I'm going to just say this right here, Mm -hmm. right now, Mm -hmm. the earth is not fucking flat. Okay? (laughs) I'm just going to put that out there. (laughs) No. That's true. Accurate. And it is an amazing, beautiful, it's spherical, but yet it's almost oval. It's, yeah, it's really. not actually a true It's sphere, not actually a true It's a spheroid. Sphere, but it's a spheroid. And it's this beautiful amalgamation of complex systems that work together. And those are the reasons why we, you know, are able to live here. Yeah. And <laughs> where we are in position, you know, in so there's relation a, to the there's sun, a, the fact that exactly. we have a satellite called the moon that works with us. There's there's kind <laughs> of a fascinating, like, catch-22 with the Earth, where, on the one hand, Carl Sagan, pale blue dot speech, mm-hmm. we're not special. No. Right? We are a tiny, unremarkable moat in the universe. Yep. But on the other hand, the exact placement of our specific pale blue dot mm-hmm. Has allowed uh, our planet to give rise to very complex forms of life, like mm-hmm. us, mm-hmm. capable of contemplating our own existence. That's right. Which is not the case, as far as we can tell, for most planets in the universe. Mm-hmm. So we're in the the weird position of being both completely unspecial and very special. Mm-hmm. At least to our knowledge at this point. Right. Exactly. Science is always changing. Science is always changing. Join our Tiger Amanda and relax with the salts of Wonderful Body Co. These soaks and scrubs, inspired by popular books and characters, are designed to delight multiple senses with fragrant scents and sparkling mica. You can also find a small selection of rollerball fragrances. With a couple of dozen options available, you're sure to find something you like in the Wonderful Body Co. collection. This week, Ode is recommending the Lestat de Lion Court, with notes of whiskey, citrus, and smoke. Find Wonderful Body Co. online at wonderfulbodyco.com or go directly to the shop at etsy.com slash shop slash wonderfulbodyco. You know, we talked about the fact that the planet breathes, mm-hmm. it moves, it has rhythm. It's a living thing. It's a living thing. It's just not living in the way we think of exactly. life. Exactly. But in my UPG, mm-hmm. Unverified Personal Gnosis, for those who don't know what those designations mean, for me, that means that along with over those billions of years and the the way that the Earth formed mm-hmm. and then, it, you know, life began in, you know, its various forms and it has grown and changed over the millennia, in that span of time, spirit uh, of the spirit of the planet developed and evolved mm-hmm. and became what I believe is a spirit being, a primordial spirit being, a deity. But the, here's sort the of thing. the same way that a human being's spirit grows, yeah, from you know birth to adulthood, but just over a much longer, much scale. longer <laughs> period of time. <laughs> and and I think that is also I think that is how things that you know that we understand uh, the spirits of plants and trees mm-hmm. and rocks and all these things that have developed and grown and become part of our 
of our world over time. And I think that's why our ancestors, I honestly believe our ancestors were much more spiritually in tune with the earth and understanding those rhythms. I, th- I feel like it wasn't just they were primitive and, and ooh, there's a big light in the sky, you know, let's... <laughs> spooky, worship it. <laughs> spooky, worship it. No, I feel like they were more in tune. They were more a part of the process and the ex- the development, if you were. And as time went and societies grew and, and humanity began to understand and, and learn, they created, you know, they, they started to understand deities. And I think that is where, why we have so many earth deities among others. Okay. I have, I have a couple of points I want to make about that. Sure. The that, first, like I said, that's just my UPG. The first is that although I agree, obviously, our most ancient ancestors were spiritually aware, mm-hmm. I am hesitant to make claims that they were more or the most spiritually aware for two reasons. Mm -hmm. The first is that that has sort of a a rose-tinted nostalgia quality to it. That's fair. That's sort of hailing back to a mythic perfect time. That's fair. And Um, I, I do not think that. And the second is that there were, and still are, contemporary... Indigenous peoples. Indigenous peoples who do have more connected interactions with and, and mm-hmm. understandings of the earth right. and of I, their place in it. I agree with you. I don't think I expressed it well. I don't feel like they... I, I feel like... Honestly, I feel like our, our indigenous peoples mm-hmm. on this planet are... you know They've held on to those traditions. They've held on to those understandings. Right. It's Western civilization. It's that Western civilization that lost touch. And I feel like even even our... It started with feudalism. It started with feudalism. <laughs> Damn them. No, but I feel like even our, our European ancestors, the Celts and and the Vikings and further back, the, you know, and other... And the Egyptians and the Greeks and all these different people groups as they grew and they developed, I just feel like they had a better sense of rhythm, of the rhythm of the planet, and they had a better sense of its actual spirituality and that's how they started to interact with these spirits and with these deities that were those beings that became deities right. for them. For instance, the earth. Okay, let's talk about the very, the very many earth deities. There's so many. There's so many. <laughs> generally, when you have a personification of the earth, it is generally considered uh, female. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of mother nature. Yep the earth mother, there are a lot of earth goddesses. And that personification does tend to also coincide with those chthonic deities of the underworld, those things that are beneath the surface of the earth. Mm -hmm. And so you've got Gaia, who was the Greek primordial deity. The classic. The classic personification of the earth. Terra Mater, I believe, uh, is Roman. Exactly, that's her Roman. But like, for example, in the Egyptian culture, they had a sky goddess and an earth god. Mm. You know, so kind of a reverse. But you don't find as many earth gods. You find many more earth goddesses. In the Manipuri, they had Linaral Sidabi. Obviously, Greek had Gaia, but they also had Sibyl, Demeter, Persephone, Rhea. They, some of these Who did were, different things. Yeah, they, 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 I feel like the true earth goddess was Gaia. Is, I feel like, the personification of the earth. I don't know. I don't work with the Greek. And then these other Greek all, deities so. had functions within various areas of the earth, like, you know, vegetation or water or whatever. Then, of course, you have Roman. You have Terra, uh, uh, Ceres, Ops, Proserpina. In the Slavic, you have Matsemla. 
In Incan, you had Pachamama or Pachamama. In the Hindu, you have Prithvi, although they do have an earth god, but it is, you know, that they that they recognize. Uh-huh. But he's more to do, if my, under, if my reading was correct, it has more to do with the element of earth and water, because Prithvi is more considered, you know, the mother earth goddess kind of the figure. The personified earth. The personified earth, earth yeah. Because there's usually a difference between a personified earth and an earth deity. Yes. And I feel like these that I'm mentioning right now are the ones that these cultures tend to think of as their personifications of earth. And then they have others that are... Like Demeter is not a personification of the earth. She's an earth deity. She's an earth deity. Yep, exactly. But in Native American, you've got spider grandmother. In the Norse, you have Sif and... What is that? Yard? Yard (laughs) and... We'll get into the Norse. I'll talk about that separately. Okay. My point is that there are quite a few different cultures that recognize the or have a personification Mm -hmm. of the earth with a deity attached to it. Just like they do with the sun and the moon and various observable observable entities. They have various things that, that have become deities or deities have become associated with those things. I want to talk about the distinction between a personified earth yes, and an earth deity. Let's do that. Because I think that's the... That's where it can get confusing. Exactly. That's that's where it gets complicated, mm-hmm. I think. And this was actually, I think, the root of a like, miscommunication that Gwen and I had a lot when she was trying to teach me witchcraft. <laughs> yeah. I think of the personified earth mm-hmm. as being the planet. Mm-hmm. having very little to do with the green parts of the planet. Mm-hmm. Because I think those are a separate mm-hmm. sphere, right? Because, right. like I said, 99% of all species that have ever been on this planet are extinct. Right. Trees are, especially the trees we have now, though quite old, are relatively new. Yeah, they're different species the, exactly. than what we had primordially. Exactly. Like, the, the greenness of the planet isn't mm-hmm. the root of the planet to me. The root of the planet to me is from, like... Core to mantle. Core to mantle. And so when Gwen would tell me to connect to the earth, Mm -hmm. she and I were not connecting to the same thing. Actually, we were. I think I just wasn't communicating it clearly. Okay, explain that. Because to me, it never felt like we were connecting to the same thing. That's that's fine. But see, but then I will add, as a, as a caveat, I do also feel that while, yes, I agree that the planet itself, from its core to its crust, is the earth deity, mm-hmm. right? I also feel like that which lives above and within its sphere is part of the deity. See, or I'm at not least sure I... part of its sphere of influence. Yeah, that's complicated. I'm not sure I agree with that. That's okay. <laughs> this is one of those. This is one of those areas where Gwen and I have like and a slight fine. difference of opinion, and that's cool. But so the the personified deity, mm-hmm. the personified earth, is conventionally a deity who is thought to make up the body of right. the earth, right? Um, in some way. And an earth deity, mm-hmm. as distinct from a personified earth, mm-hmm. is just a deity who has like whose authority. sphere of, yeah, who has authority, whose sphere of influence includes something earthy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that can be a huge range huge of things. Huge range of things. That's why you have some of the earth deity personifications that I looked up were water mm-hmm. and uh, Or like you listed Sif among the Norse yeah, as yeah. as an earth deity. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't think of her as an earth deity She's at all. Air and sky, right? Or no, no. Think, so we actually don't know what Sif's business okay. was. Mm-hmm. But she has one myth where 
her hair is described as golden and Loki cuts it off. And it's thought really? that yeah. And it's thought <laughs> that maybe that was a metaphor for for agriculture, for gathering wheat. Okay. So, like, the most you could say about Sif is that she might be an agricultural deity, mm-hmm. like Freyr or Freya, mm-hmm. who also have agricultural associations. Um, but I wouldn't think of her as an Earth deity necessarily because agriculture is human activity mm-hmm. on the Earth. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, like, you could consider her an Earth deity because mm-hmm. her sphere of influence is to do with things that grow right. in the Earth. Well, it's like Hecate is, uh, can be considered not just a, a chthonic uh, mm-hmm. underworld deity, but an Earth deity. Uh, in fact, there are scholars who believe that pre-Greek, <laughs> that she was potentially an a, a ancient Earth goddess of some, of some form or other. But she does have influence over land, sea, and sky. And depending on if you read the Sheldian oracles from the 2nd and 3rd century, she was considered uh, the cosmic anima mundi in that writing. Which I think is the only one where she's described that way. It is. It is. And I'll go into why I think that the earth itself makes more sense to be the anima mundi. Mm -hmm. But (laughs) we'll we'll get into that later. (laughs) And I'm saying that as a Hecatean witch. I I feel like, no. Uh, no. Kati's very powerful, but she's very, not everything. Very powerful, <laughs> but not everything. I, I do believe that the Earth itself, that, this is getting into my own personal belief again, This I do believe the Earth itself is a deity equal and separate from, say, Gaia. Yeah. Um, who is the Greek personification. And that's the other thing. The, so you've got the Earth deities who just right. have something to do with Earth. You've got right. the personified Earth deity who is supposed to be the body of the Earth. Right. And then I agree with Gwyn. I do think there is separately just a, an Earth spirit. Mm-hmm. And I think that there, uh, I think in some cultures, if I read things correctly, they just call, that's what we call the Earth Mother in some cultures or Mother Earth in, in some cultures or Mother or Nature just Earth. or just Earth. Uh, there are cultures that just honor the earth itself mm-hmm. without, you know, without a personification. Like, I mean, even Gaia as a personification of the earth, she had babies. <laughs> she, you know, yeah, she's the one who um, created the Titans and the Cyclops and the Giants. And with Pontus, the sea, mm-hmm. she created this primordial sea gods and deities and stuff. And, and I'm not saying that's not accurate. I'm, I'm just saying I think that's separate from the earth as a part as opposed to a personification I, of the earth. Hmm. I mean, I get why they do it because they're they're, you know, these uh stories of Gaia and and her children explain how things work on the earth. Okay, but no, the but they're also just spiritual truths. That's true. Is the thing. That's true. And and so I wonder now thinking about it, about the multiplicity of personified mm-hmm. Earths, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it's not so much that there's like a separate Earth spirit mm-hmm. and various personified Earths all separate. Right. I wonder if, and this is moving a little bit in a soft polytheism direction that I don't usually, so I'm not married to it. Step back. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not married to this. <laughs> but I wonder if maybe the spirit of the planet that all these is different- sort of a root 
Mm-hmm. And all these personified Earths are manifestations or expressions of that spirit. Mm-hmm. I, c- I could see that. I mean, I'm, I am I am still working out my own understanding of the Earth deity. Right. So right now I have more of a, of a hard polytheist. Gwen's building a theology. I'm building a theology. Uh, <laughs> but I have more of a hard polytheist view of this is a separate primordial spirit. For this planet and the, you I know, see that's but where I, can, I usually that's usually yeah. where I but am. I can but see where you could where you could uh, where you could say, but these are 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 faces of that of that or personifications of that core spirit of that anima mundi. <laughs> yes, like I said, I'm not married to this. No, I'm just like. It doesn't seem right to me for the personified Earths to not be the personified Earth. Do you get me? Say that again. It doesn't seem right to me for the personified Earths to not be the personified Earth. Yeah, I get that. I understand that. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I get that. And I'm not saying... Like, that's a built-in core part of their know, identity. And I'm not saying they're not. I'm just saying I'm, I have a different understanding of the primordial spirit of the Earth at this point. I'm not saying I'm not open to changing my mind. Because it's UPG. Of course right. I'm open open to changing my mind. That's the beauty of UPG, everyone. <laughs> it's can, adaptable. It's adaptable. And you can... That's the thing I want people to understand. Yes, you can always change your, you your opinion. You can always change your opinion and your understanding. As you get new information. As you get new information. I feel like because so many of us come out of other religions yeah. that are more... No, it has to be There's this. There's one truth. There's one truth, blah, blah. You question yourself if you start getting new information or you hear someone else's, you know, uh-huh. understanding. You go, oh, wait, you know, that kind of makes sense. Like I'm doing right now. <laughs> Live on the Live podcast. Live on the podcast. <laughs> Get ready, Green Earth Witches. You might have some new <laughs> info coming at you in uh, Module 4. But yeah, no, it, that, that's the whole point is that we can grow and adapt and change as we get new spiritual awareness, as we grow. I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. I don't think, you know, I'm not married to one understanding (laughs) of the earth as a deity. Right now, the the deity that I call the earth deity is this core anima mundi, this core primordial spirit of the earth itself, the planet. And I, I feel like it is just as as important to to understand that that spirit exists as well as these other personifications of that spirit if you want to put it that way i think the we we maybe touched on this a little bit with the sun and the moon too mm-hmm. those celestial objects right have mm-hmm. their own presence yes, and exactly. being but they also have attached personifications, personifications. who are I, all equally Valid and spiritually true. Exactly. So I don't think it has to be one or the other. I think it can be it can every, be all, it can of, be all these of these things. What I tell you guys, one of the best things I ever realized about my spiritual life was that everything could be true. That's right. And I mean, like my understanding of the moon and the sun as I'm working with the earth deity mm-hmm. itself is expanding evolving. and evolving to understand that these three work in concert together so that we can live here and experience right. life. <laughs> Uh, and experience spirituality and, and all that. And experience these entities as spirits. And a number of other entities. <laughs> and as well as other entities. But I also recognize Mani and right, Selene exactly. as representations as or, or personifications. personifications of the moon. Yeah. Or soul or Apollo mm-hmm. as personifications. Deities of and deities the of the sun. Yeah. So and it's the same thing. Like Earth Mother, Gaia. I, I do under... I do 
recognize and understand these deities as part of my understanding of the earth. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying they're not. I think I've talked before about the the experience I've had with sort of nesting spirits. Yeah, yeah. The sort of matryoshka doll of yeah, spirits where yeah. like there's the big, very conceptual, hard to access spirit. And then you just sort of get narrower and narrower mm-hmm. and more and more accessible. And, the, and those smaller spirits are still distinctive, but they're also part of the big spirit or expressions of the big spirit somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's sort of where I'm at on this is that, yeah, like they're distinct and individual, mm-hmm. but connected. Yes. And I think that was part of, that was part of what was important for me when I recognized, and I was writing a blog post when I did this, mm-hmm. I recognized that I have been honoring and, and working with this primordial earth spirit, this primordial earth deity Mm -hmm. for years but i did not realize that i was right because i've been working with all these other personifications these more accessible scoop has actually said something really good yeah Um, i saw that when you get back to those larger spirits the earth the sun the various elements it makes sense to me that they would have various personifications that might come forward when they interact with those tiny more temporal beings because Holy shit, interacting with something as big and old as fire could be so intimidating and incomprehensible. Exactly, exactly. The Earth is 4.5 billion years old. Exactly. And I think, you know, I think that is, again, going back to, that's the beautiful thing about spirituality and about this path as witches and pagans and heathens and druids Mm -hmm. is that we, we can evolve and change and grow as we learn and experience and these interactions. Sometimes it's not even necessarily that your old understanding was wrong. No. It's just that your new understanding is more true for you right now. Exactly. And I, I don't think anything that I have have uh, expressed to people about the Earth Deity has been wrong. Mm-hmm. I think it's just evolving. Yeah. <laughs> It's in progress. And the reason I do say the Earth Deity... Or you're in progress, I guess. I'm in progress. We're in progress. Exactly. spirits are what they are. They are what they are. And we're in progress on trying to understand them. That's right. But, like, one of the reasons why I say Earth Deity instead of Earth Mother, Mm -hmm. because for years I have... You said Earth Mother, yeah. Earth Mother. I've I've worked with Earth Mother. The reason I, I changed to Earth Deity, especially when I started forming this understanding of this primordial spirit mm-hmm. is that I wanted this spirit and this this understanding of this spirit to be more accessible to people mm-hmm. to so that if they wanted they could re- relate to the earth in what way feels most natural to them mm-hmm. and so it's just it's gender neutral because it's just a prime it, you know the earth right. not the just, earth, but the, the earth, earth doesn't is, have one the, the earth is a primordial being I think that's the most important thing to me to get across to people is that I feel like the earth is itself a primordial being that is deserving of recognition, just like the the sphere that is the moon right. and the star that is the sun. They deserve that recognition of their of their individual spirit beingness. If Which you will. I don't I don't think the earth doesn't have that recognized. Right, I know. The earth has been widely recognized in I virtually know. every culture. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> and that's through I, I get that, but I don't know. That's that that's just like something I, I felt like the planet itself was not always being recognized. That's how I And that's it. I think why and this is again where I get mm-hmm. back to I think you and I were not necessarily connecting to or understanding mm-hmm. the same thing. Mm-hmm. I think like, those personified Earths mm-hmm. 
are the planet. Yeah, yeah. So every culture that has a personified Earth that mm-hmm. is worshipped and recognized yep. is recognizing the spirit of the planet, just maybe I, not in the way that you I are. I am experiencing it. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not saying that I'm right or that there's only one way to understand <laughs> this, but this is a way that I'm beginning to understand the planet, and I wanted to share that with others, yeah. especially green witches, because I call myself a green earth witch. Right. Um, now. Now. <laughs> you, can, you can, if you go back and listen to, like, early episodes oh, and God. track Gwyn's progression through through it's the ridiculous. podcast. I think part of the reason why I really wanted to di- to dig deep and understand in this is because one of the things that, that I came to realize as a green witch is that I felt like there was something missing in my practice. Mm-hmm. I felt like I wasn't going... Too much trees, not enough planets. Yeah. I wasn't going deep enough. I wasn't digging deep enough into the earth uh-huh. part of it. Yeah. If it, you know, because the earth is part of the whole all of that ecosystem that lives above, you know, on the right. surface. The green planty part is not the whole of the earth. No, there it's it's all connected though. It's all to get together. It's it's a uh the framer and the frame. It, it's you know, it it's part it's all together. I didn't understand that reference. Okay. I think what for me, separates out the green part of of the Earth Mm -hmm. from the planet of the Earth is that the green part is separate living beings. And Mm -hmm. we don't tend to think of plants that way. We don't tend to think of them as being separate living beings. This is why you have ethical vegans. Right. (laughs) Who are like, I don't harm anything when I consume food. But you do. You harm the plants. That's right. And they've done science on, like, plants oh warn each other when they're being so much harvested and chopped down. And, There's like, so much mycelium networks communicating and sharing yeah. resources with each other. And there, There's a, I, I did a, a blog post on trees. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. It talks about they go to sleep and they wake up and they yeah. move in, in, rhythm, in this rhythm. Yep. Um, it, it's really, it's really a fascinating article that I that I then was like, oh my God, this look is at like, this. look at this. <laughs> Read this article, you people. Yeah, and and I think that that's something that I think gets sort of subsumed into the earth. Mm-hmm. People talk about Mother Earth or the Earth yeah. deities. Yeah. They start thinking of all the green things as just part of the earth mm-hmm. instead of as individual Yes, and I do think that is uh, some... beings and spirits on their uh, uh, with their own merit. <laughs> and and that is something that does need to be to be emphasized that plants and the trees and the stones mm-hmm. and the animals and all the things that we that we reach out to in our in our witchcraft mm-hmm. and our and and our rituals our religion. and our religion they all they all deserve recognition they're all spirit allies all individual they're yeah. all individual and they all have their own personalities and you interact with them and and like just because you can't identify a plant doesn't mean that it's not like an individual yeah entity right exactly. like i think people think of the earth as like just a, a bunch of green shrubby bits that they mm-hmm. don't like that not distinct you know, when you, you tend mm-hmm. to see the earth represented um, visually mm-hmm. as not distinct plants, mm-hmm. but as just green shrubs and green trees mm-hmm. and none of them nature. are... Right, just nature, nature ambiguously mm-hmm. yeah. with no, no sort of identifiable characteristics. Mm-hmm. I think that's what rubbed me the wrong way sometimes about how we see um, the earth represented, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. even inside paganism. Yeah. See, like when I talk about the, the elements, because I, I work with the... Uh, I don't work with like the the traditional understanding of, like, sylphs and mm-hmm, yeah. undines. And yes, we talked about those in the Elements kind of episode, yeah. yeah. And um, I, I work with earth 
air, fire, and water. And when I think of earth, mm-hmm. uh, the element of earth, I think of the loam. I think of the yeah, dirt soil. and the soil. And-, and I think part of the reason, I think part of the reason that in modern day we've started focusing on green parts of earth is mm-hmm. because that's the sort of pretty part. Yeah, it is pretty. It is prettier that's than, than the, the... Thinking about, like, we... As a society, have like a real, especially uh, urban. We like things that are aesthetically pleasing. Right. Well, and especially <laughs> in like urban areas, we have a real aversion to dirt. Yes. Yes. And to interacting with and being in contact with dirt. Yeah. Well, and if you remember, so I think I think, the, I think the green stuff is more accessible to people. Yes. And and I, even when I was working with my students, it, there's also a tendency to want to get real spiritual. Yeah. Uh, and 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 uh, real esoteric. Real esoteric. <laughs> And I, I tend to do that anyway. And I was reminded through some divination, through some divination, that no, this is an you know this is an earth deity. Mm-hmm. This, you dig down deep into the earth, and you you know you understand the planet mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, by you know understanding the earthy part yeah. of it. You get into the dirt. You get, get into, into the, the dirt. Bed. Yeah, into the loam. Yeah. I love that word loam. Loam. Yep. You, you dig lit, literally physically. Mm-hmm. Get your hands dirty. Get your hands dirty, and yes, that does that can include taking care of plants mm-hmm. and taking care of nature and mowing your yard, tilling and the soil, tilling and the soil, and growing vegetables. And yep. those are all part of it. It's not that the focus is wrong; it's mm-hmm. that the focus is disproportionate on mm-hmm. the green stuff. And mm-hmm. I think we need to, yeah, sort of collectively as a culture, put more attention on the on the brown stuff. <laughs> I, I, I would agree on on the dirt. Yep. And the soil and the, the rocks and all those wonderful things. That underlying chthonic stuff. Yeah, that underlying chthonic stuff. Our tiger, Ardaren, is offering intuitive readings and divination with over a decade of experience working with spirit, tarot, runes, and tea leaves. Make an appointment for a reading with Ardaren on Facebook at Ardaren Auguries or find them at Instagram.com slash Ardaren Auguries. That's A-R-D-E-R-I-N. A-U-G-U-R-I-E-S, our Darren Auguries. And that's why I'm going to go into a little bit about the Anima Mundi. That's yeah, why yeah. I think it makes more sense that the Earth itself is considered the Anima Mundi with respect to, to the cosmic Anima Mundi reference of Hakati. Yeah, so describe what Anima Mundi okay. means. Okay, the concept of Anima Mundi, it, was a, it's, it means world soul, and it was first... Uh, applied by Greek philosophers and expounded on by Plato. He was really into this concept of the, you know, anima mundi, the world soul. Basically what it means is it is an intrinsic connection between all living things on the planet. Right. And so there's this, this, it's like the It's like a spiritual biosphere. (laughs) It's like a spiritual biosphere that connects Everything and it is very the like the force, yes. It is, it is. But it's not. <laughs> it is, but it's not. And, and of course, uh, Aristotle rejected that. Of course. Uh, <laughs> because Aristotle, let's face it, he was a little bit of a dick. Just a little bit. He didn't like anything Plato did, no, I swear. There was, was, that was, it was, was constantly. Trying, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Plato, Plato was an idiot. <laughs> Plato, puh. Don't listen to Plato. Don't listen, listen to, Plato. to me. <laughs> That's right. But then, interestingly... In the first century, the Christians tried to use the concept of the anima mundi to explain the Holy Spirit. That makes sense. It does. Because the Holy Spirit is, is supposed, supposed to, to be interpenetrating. Yeah, interpenetrating. But it's interesting because they used a, a pagan philosophy in order it's to do that. not uncommon. That's true. And actually, Paul did a lot of that in the scripture. Mm-hmm. 
Syncretism. Syncretism, people. So anyway, yeah, so it makes more sense if we're talking about a primordial spirit of the planet. Right. That connects all things on it. That is an intrinsic connection between all living things on the planet. It just makes sense to me that the Anima Mundi would be the planet itself, would be the the primordial spirit. Yeah, it wouldn't be any... Of the planet. Oh, okay. Now I get it. I just had the light bulb moment. Ooh, I even saw, like, an <laughs> image almost of a light bulb there. I just had the... Bing! The ding! Suddenly, you're, everything you've been saying makes sense. Um, oh, good! Is that for me or for you? It's for you. <laughs> I'm so glad. Like... So what you're saying is Mm -hmm. the earth spirit is the connecting spirit. Yes. Not that it's a separate, like, like there's an earth deity that is true and then a bunch of other personified earths, but that the earth spirit is the connecting spirit and the personified earths are part of that connection, that web. Yes. But it is itself. Finally. But it is itself deserving of recognition. No, no, I completely agree. The, the web itself deserves yes. respect yes. And, and recognition yes. and yes. acknowledgement. But I didn't, like, now, light bulb, I get it. Thank you, Animal it's, Wendy. It's the web, yes. not the, I got it. Yes. Thank yes. you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm not always good at explaining these because it's, it, it's hard to put esoteric spiritual things into, into human, words. human words sometimes. This is why we sometimes create new ones like numinous. Right. But yes, so it's this understanding. And that's why I, for me, though, as I connected to this animal mundi of the mm-hmm. planet, mm-hmm. I, I, I felt like this animal mundi, while it connects all things, right. it is the framer and the frame. Yeah, I get it now. Sense. I get, get that. Yeah. You get it? That didn't make any sense to me before, but, but I get it now. you understand. I get okay. it now. It made self. itself. It made itself. And it deserves recognition as the core. Okay. As, the, as a separate individual deity as well as part of this beautiful web of, right. of spirit yeah um scubus asks sort of like a venn diagram if i was very good with venn diagrams then probably <laughs> yes we'll ask Ode that because me is that a math thing uh, a venn I'm diagram good, i'm not good with math a venn diagram is when you have overlapping circles you've seen yes it. yes i've seen yeah yeah i think that would be a good yeah actually i think a venn diagram would would be good in the it's just a very complex venn diagram very very complex with the earth deity in that center in that in that center point and it's building and all out. the diagrams outwards yes. from it yeah yes and so, so all of the things upon its sphere are part, are part of, that. of it. Are part of but it, but are also separate, separate from, from it. it. Yes, because each circle in a Venn diagram is its own separate yes. piece. Yes, exactly. they just overlap in certain specific areas. Yes, exactly. Okay. Get it. And again, so sometimes it just takes that. It takes talking things out. That's why we love doing this. Yeah. Is because, like, you know, we're trying to, I'm trying to explain a, a concept, or Ode is mm-hmm. trying to con- explain a concept, or when he's here, Carl is trying to explain, trying a, concept, to explain yeah. a concept. And we're just, and we just have to talk around each other we until to, we get it. Until, until finally there's that there's lo- a light, light bulb moment, mm-hmm. and we get it. So f- thank you for describing the Anima Mundi in exactly that way. Yes. I finally got my light bulb moment. I, I do have a UPG it. question for you. Yeah, yeah. What is the experience of, like, does it have a personality? Okay, this has been really interesting for me as I've explored uh-huh. this. Um, what has what I've understood is, like, when I relate to, say, the Earth Mother or Gaia, because right. for me, the Earth Mother is Gaia. Okay. That's more of, like, 
uh, a, a more uh, accessible, a more accessible, like talking you and me kind mm-hmm. of, you know, like you would with other deities, like with right. with Hakati or Frigga or Loki uh, or right. whatever. Uh, the usual kind of deity interaction. The usual kind of deity interaction. For me, working with or or experiencing might be mm-hmm. a better word for it. The <laughs> there are some spirits that are like that. Experiencing the Earth deity, it's more visceral. Mm-hmm. It's more emotional and and less words. And just more concepts, if that right. makes sense. It's bigger. It's bigger. So it's like when when I was trying to figure out, okay, what am I doing wrong? What do I need to do to how do, how do I communicate better to my students mm-hmm. about the Earth deity through divination? Yeah, we got dirt. Dirt. I I just repeated. So I did this divination for Gwen. Yeah, and. I was not 100% clear on what I was supposed to be communicating because all I kept getting over and over again was dirt. dirt. Go back to dirt. Go back to dirt. Go back to the dirt. dirt and Gwen dirt, was dirt. like, what does that mean? I was like, I don't know, just dirt. And it took me actually getting into going outside <laughs> and doing a meditation with my feet on the In, actual yeah. ground, <laughs> barefooted on the ground, putting my hands on the earth, the planet, mm-hmm. And releasing that my my energy into the earth and allowing that connection between myself mm-hmm. and the earth deity, that primordial spirit, and I got it. That anima mundi. That anima mundi. I got it. It was a you need to dig your fingers into the into the soil. Mm-hmm. It's and you need to care for the things that are above the soil as well, but it's about working with the earth, working mm-hmm. with the dirt. Literal physical work work with dirt with dirt <laughs> and and so that's what i understood is like yes there is this esoteric part this spiritual part of the animal mundi mm-hmm. but it's also the planet right it's it's very physical it's a very physical kind of thing so yeah so i would say this connection that i experienced it's a very physical thing and and it's less it's more imagery i guess right or feelings right so it's more abstract it's more abstract which which can be challenging. Right, makes it hard to translate. <laughs> it makes it hard to translate. A lot of what I get though is just you know um, I reach out to the Earth deity a lot for found that foundation. You know how mm-hmm. how you ground. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, now I bet every time you ground, you are actually accessing. Yes, <laughs> that's one of the things I realized is that when I'm grounding, uh-huh. I'm actually in contact with and experiencing and communicating with that primordial spirit, with the yeah. anima mundi, with the earth deity. It, it just took me 20 years to figure that out. Yeah. When I ground, I am literally in communion, if you will, mm-hmm. with with the primordial spirit of the earth. Right. And, it, it and is, the body of the earth. And the body of the earth. And it is actually... This is an embodied deity. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> And it, it is my foundation. Right. And it is that upon which all my witchcraft is built. Right. So Ran and Gray is saying, this is making me want to garden again. Why must I feel this when winter is coming? Get you a plant with some soil. Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously. That's why I have... Uh, that's why I it's have... Dirt in a pot. Uh, I have lots of plants in my yeah. house. So that because I live in Michigan and there are times when I cannot get outside mm-hmm. and dig in the dirt, but I can work with my plants in the house. And I'm not just... I, it's a connection with that individual plant spirit itself, but it also just just that symbolic feeling of the dirt helps me connect to the earth deity. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like as a, 
Not quite as a correspondence, more like a sympathetic magic. Yeah, it's more like a sympathetic magic. Because it yeah. is a piece of the earth. It is, exactly. It is a piece of the earth. <laughs> you just brought it inside. Just brought it inside. Our tiger, Jim Two Snakes, has spent much of the past three decades providing spiritual and emotional support for individuals that are looking for accountability, wisdom, and safe, supportive space while they discover how to walk their own path. Jim is now offering his spiritual dad service in a Patreon structure. This informal program includes regular contact with Jim and specific guidance for what's going on in your life right now, along with a talking stick monthly meeting for some levels and regular phone calls ranging from one to four times a month at other levels. Jim will help you with goal setting, ritual and energetic practice ideas and teaching, suggestions, support, and accountability in whatever it is you want to accomplish. And because it is your path, he will adapt his suggestions to suit what works best for you. It's called Spiritual Dad, but there is no age limit. We all need spiritual and emotional support. To find out more, visit jimtwosnakes.net or patreon.com slash spiritualdad. I want to talk a little bit about the personified deities and the earth deities mm-hmm. as distinct from the anima mundi earth spirit. Okay. Because I think we've covered that. Yes. Pretty comprehensive. Yes, now. we have. I had a light bulb moment, so I'm feeling very accomplished. I'm feeling very good about this. <laughs> yeah. I feel like there's an understanding and now I'm happy yes. to move on to the, because I think the personification deities, we understand them mm-hmm. like Gaia, like Persephone, like Demeter and all of these others. Mm-hmm. They're they're important, right? Exactly. You know? <laughs> they're also individuals. They are also individuals worthy of of honor and recognition. Mm-hmm. So, and with whom you can have distinct relationships. Exactly. And a personified deity or an earth deity may be your only mm-hmm. relationship with the earth. Yeah. It's not necessarily appropriate for everyone to have a connection with animal mundi earth spirit. Exactly, and that's why I, I feel like you know I want to make sure that people. I don't ever want to be like this is the right, know, the, the, oh, this only, is the only way, the no. holy way. No, fuck that. <laughs> it's an option. Yeah. <laughs> if you are, like, for me, I was a green witch. I felt like something was missing, and this was my light bulb moment yeah. Yeah. of what was missing. But there are, like, like, like I said, lots of other options. Lots. They're very widespread uh, across multiple cultures. Now, the only one I can really talk about kind of depth is the Norse. Yeah. I'm passingly familiar with the Greek, but only, you know, as childhood readings of mythology. <laughs> Right. Right. Not as not as well, actual like, interactions or like, worship. I can't really talk too very much about the other other than the Greek. Yeah, because I don't. I really haven't gotten to know. It's not the, part of my practice. Yeah, I haven't really gotten to know the Earth deities. Like, I don't think Frigga is really considered an no, Earth she's deity. Not. If Neither anything, is, she's a sky. Thing. Yeah, yeah, she is. I would agree with that. And yeah. or Brigid. I don't think of her no, really as. Did she do the fire? Yeah. Well. <laughs> She do all. She do all the things. All the things. She's met. She's very busy. Yes, that. she's very busy. <laughs> so yeah. So I don't feel like the the other pantheons that I'm involved with, which are Celtic and mm-hmm. Norse, have really given you a connection. to Yeah, Earth have really day. given me to to their Earth deities. Yeah. yeah, I do some work with the Earth deities and the personified Earths of the Norse pantheon. We talked a little bit about Sif, yeah. Sif earlier, who, like I said, I usually wouldn't consider an Earth deity, but she's an agricultural deity. So, in that sense, mm-hmm. um, just like Demeter would, would be a, yeah. a, a um, agriculture. In that same sort of area, mm-hmm. y- you would probably put Freyr, and maybe Freya, depending, but mm-hmm. Freya has so many other things going so on. Many, just like Brigid, very busy. Yeah, she's in I wonder if Canunos, because I am starting to work with Canunos more, and he's he probably a, counts. He's uh, sort of the wilderness. Yeah, he's the wilderness, yeah. And the forest, and so yeah, so he would be um, a, an Earth deity of, uh, personified. In Norse cosmology, there are sort of three primary 
um, groupings. Mm-hmm. And those are the Aesir, who are the best known and most popular, the Vanir, mm-hmm. who are allied with the Aesir, and the Jotun, who are enemies of the Aesir. The way these are conventionally split up is that the Aesir are concerned with civilization mm-hmm. and sort of human business. So they deal with more abstract concepts like justice mm-hmm. and um, the actions of civilization. The Vanir have to do with what we might call tamed nature, nature that humans interact with and act upon. Mm-hmm. So things like agriculture. Right. And like Njord is sort of human activity on the sea as opposed to Ran, who is sort of death by the sea, <laughs> and Egir, who yeah. is sort of the sea, the personified sea. Okay. Yeah, I would probably go with the personified sea if I was looking for an Earth-related deity. So so Egir and Ran mm-hmm. are actually Jotun. Oh, okay. Not, so Njord is the Vanir sea deity. Right, right. But he's to do with, like, fishing. Right. Things like that. Egir and Ran are sea gods from the Jotun branch of Norse cosmology. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're joined by many other Jotun. In the way that the Vanir are to do with tamed nature, the Jotun are to do with wild nature. Okay. The forces of nature uh, which act upon humans as opposed to humans acting upon nature. Mm. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You see a lot more personifications in the Jotun mm-hmm. than you do in the other two branches. There are two, what I would consider sort of primary personifications of uh, the Earth in Norse cosmology. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there is a lesser known Vanir who sort of breaks with Vanir tradition. Okay. So we'll start with her. She's the wife of... And sister of Njord, mm-hmm. and she is Nerthus. Nerthus we know very little about. We have one description of rituals that were undertaken for her um, that involved human sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Sort of in the same way that Freyr and Freya mm-hmm. uh, have these very similar names mm-hmm. um, that basically mean lord and lady. Njord and Nerthus, their names actually come from the same root, which okay. is why we're relatively confident that Nerthus is the sister wife of Njord who is described elsewhere. Gotcha. Nerthus, unlike most of the Vanir, is associated with like bogs mm-hmm. and certain kinds of wild nature. Not all of wild nature, but but more broadly than most of the nature gods are, right? So like mm-hmm. Sif as an agricultural deity is pretty much exclusively to do with wheat. Mm-hmm. Nerthus is wild places where men are not supposed to be. And she's sometimes considered sort of a, a gatekeeper to those places. Okay. So, like, if you want to go into a sacred bog or a sacred grove, mm-hmm. or if you want to trespass into nature's territory, it's Nerthus you should be consulting. Okay. And she may decline to give you permission for that based on her own essentially unknowable whims. Okay. So so we have Nerthus, who's sort of, um, she has sort of a, a menacing character to her. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Hikati with her, yes. uh, her she's a, a gatekeeper for yeah, the a underworld guide. And, yeah. and a guide for the underworld and the and the middle world. Yeah. yeah. Nerthus has a, a sort of an ominous 
quality, mm-hmm. um, which I think is part of the reason she's not widely worshipped or worked with. Would she be considered a Catholic? Yes, I would say so. And most of there's the not, there's not are kind of spooky. Yeah, exactly. So in the one ritual of Nerthus that we have described, um, there's a procession in a wagon, which is how the Vanir were often worshipped. And the end of the procession is that it goes to a secret lake which is hidden mm-hmm. in a in a grove. Mm-hmm. So that's that trespass into right. um, a hidden place. Right. And all of the gifts that have been given to her and all of the people in the procession and, and, and the cart itself are all washed in this lake mm-hmm. and by specifically chosen thralls or slaves. Mm-hmm. And then those slaves were drowned in the lake as offerings to Nerthus. Okay. So that's where the human sacrifice comes exactly. in. So she's got sort of an ominous yeah. quality to her. Yeah. And then we have two other Jotun, well, one Jotun and one pre-Jotun, mm-hmm. who are associated with the Earth, who uh, ironically have a much more um, sort of friendly and accessible quality to them, hmm. um, which is sort of the reverse of, of what is traditional with the Vanir and the, the Jotun. So we have Jord, mm-hmm. who is... Uh, mentioned. Mentioned. Uh, you mentioned her. She is the conventionally accepted personification of the Earth. Okay. She's the mother of Thor. Mm-hmm. And we don't have a whole lot of mythology about her, but we know that she's supposed to be the embodied personification of Earth, very similar to Gaia. Uh-huh. The other is uh, less broadly accepted, but I consider... <laughs> I, I consider Ymir to be a personification of, among other things, the Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, because cosmologically, Ymir is the first being. Right. Isn't that uh, the Earth is made from Ymir? Yes. So so Ymir is the first being who um, is born in the void. The, fa- the mother-father of giants um, spontaneously generates the... Blackwell agrees. Yes, spontaneously <laughs> generates the Jotun race. I think we got um, some more agreement coming Ymir in Ymir is hermaphroditic and just sort of asexually reproduces right. the race of giants right. uh, of Jotun. And over time, in the void, a particular Jotun, mm-hmm. Bestla, has sex with... The child of Buri, who is the first of the Aesir, who was born after Ymir at some point, sort of licked out of the ice by Athomla, the cosmic cow. <laughs> that always. <laughs> cosmic cow, man. Their union creates Odin mm-hmm. and two brothers, either Vili and Ve or Honir and Lothar, depending on your source. Mm-hmm. And those three brothers kill Ymir. Rude. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they kill Ymir and dismember them. Mm-hmm. and use Ymir's remains to create reality. We talked about this uh, during our creation our, yes, episode. Yes, during our creation episode. So yeah. they use Ymir's remains to create reality. Specifically, they use those remains to create Midgard, and Midgard is conventionally accepted Earth. to be Earth, the realm of men. Mm-hmm. So this isn't like Ymir isn't a personified Earth in the same way that Yord is. hmm and technically speaking, Ymir is dead. <laughs> but like many dead gods, is it's complicated. It's complicated. <laughs> and I consider Ymir to be literally the body of the earth. That makes sense to me. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's where I am on that. That's so fair. so like I said, that's not necessarily like I. That's I'm, not widely accepted exactly. necessarily. Yeah, that's not that's not necessarily like 
heathen canon that you're going to find everyone espousing at every heathen creation story class, mm-hmm. but that's my position on that. And it seems to be getting some... Uh, yeah, you got some agreements going some on Some agreement in, in the Discord, so that's yep. validating. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so so I consider Ymir to be a, an Earth deity. That makes sense. That makes sense, yeah. Are there any other Earth deities that you happen to know about? Um, no, not really, other than um, the ones that I mentioned. Like, uh, for instance, there are some Earth gods. Mm-hmm. Um, the, in Hindu, they have Dada, which is the element of Earth, really, because mm-hmm. they really, it is uh, Prithi. Right, who is uh, the embodied Earth. Who is the Earth. embodied Earth. Um, then in Sumeria, there was Emish, who was uh, a deity of the vegetation and the woods and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. In the Slavic pantheon, you have Volos, who was the earth and water and the underworld. And I'm noticing that a lot of these have water connected to them. Mm-hmm. And I, that makes sense. We exactly, seventy percent of the earth. I was going to say seventy percent of the earth is. So that's mm-hmm. completely logical. Even though I think to a lot of people's like myth brain, it mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. Yeah. But if you look at the reality of the planet, it's yeah. very logical. It does. It does make sense. And that's why I'm saying I really, you know, when these de- when these deities were, I don't want to say created, but came to be understood right. in these various cultures. That's why I feel like, you know, there there was a connection that mm-hmm. as we as we mentioned, indigenous people still have. Yep. They haven't lost that connection. This is a connection that our, our forebears, mm-hmm. our the ancients, as they were learning and understanding and, and living, they came to understand these these beings, this these spirits, mm-hmm. these entities as as deities and their and their mythologies grew up and mm-hmm. I think it's important that we remember that uh, because if we want to get back ourselves, right. I feel like, you know, into that connection, not living and above the earth, but be, living within. And it can't be <laughs> just a spiritual connection. No, it has to be. Because I see this a lot with pagans as people will be like, I feel very spiritually connected to the earth. No, and that's my But then point. they don't do any <laughs> conservation work, you know? Exactly. In fact, I wrote um, I wrote a, pl- a blog post uh, last year about how we need to protectors of the earth and we need to be ecologically friendly and ecologically minded and save our biosphere, if you right. will. And, and, and I had someone comment mm-hmm. and said it is one of the hardest things in the world is to get pagans yeah. to to follow some of these because these, they feel uh, like they feel like they're doing the spiritual half, so they don't have to do the practical. Well, I think that's. I don't even think it's pagans. I just think it's people. Yeah, I think you know. In in general, I'm not saying that the whole burden of conservation is on individual people mm-hmm. because it absolutely is not. The burden no. of ecological conservation is on companies. is on is on industry. Yeah. But I do feel like, as individuals, we can do our very small part. Right. It's just... It's, here's what I'd say. Doing your small part isn't enough. We have to... Oh, we have to push. We have to make the industries do yes. their part, too. But I think it's it. we are more inclined to push the industries to do their part and our governments yeah. to, their, to do their parts if we ourselves are also doing our part. And plus, for me, it's part of my, it's part of my devotional practice. Right, it's part of your practice. practice. As part of my devotional practice to the earth and the earth deity mm-hmm. is to remember these things. I'm not perfect. There's, you know, there's definite room for improvement. Mm-hmm. But the point is to do it, you know. And we have to, you know, live under capitalism. And we have to and live under, you know, we do what we can. But it's the, it's the, 
for me, it, it's not just the esoteric. It's just that getting in the dirt yeah, thing. The practical. The practical has to be a part of it. Yanni is saying, life is busy and it looks like such an overwhelming problem. It's hard to convince people that them taking that time out of their busy lives to do that little bit will make any difference anyway. And that's, I agree, that's what they found. And I, I agree yeah, with you. They called that part of that phenomenon climate despair. Yeah, yeah. Which is um, an actual sort of psychological phenomenon that they've been studying recently that uh, people just feel like it's out of their control. Right, right. But, and that we're doomed. <laughs> yeah. But I think we have found, though, just through through the hard work of individuals who do make a difference, they do get big corporations to mm-hmm. back down because they are that now squeak it's, exactly. <laughs> that won't stop, you know. Now, it's usually not something you can do on your own. No. But it is something you can mobilize a community yes. to do. Yes, yes. Right? It's... This is, conservation is a community effort, right? It's not an individual effort. No. Individuals make up that community, but. But I feel like for pagans, um, because we do do claim to to be honoring the earth, to be honoring nature, to be worshiping these deities that personify nature in various forms, I, I do think the onus is on us. I'm not, at least do a little bit. Listen, I'm not saying those things aren't valuable. I'm just saying they're not the end of the road. I agree. I um, absolutely agree with that. Yeah. Sarenth says, this is part of why I push regional cultists so hard. Yes, we all live on Yord, but we don't all have the same relationship with her where we are. We can't all have the same relationship with her. And besides, resistance, power, and good work is found in small acts as well as big. Agreed, Sarenth. Yeah. And I think... So here's the thing, I guess, where I fall finally on the conservation issue, and then I do Mm -hmm. want to move on. Yes. Is that the big changes need to happen Mm -hmm. and are the only thing that's going to make a real difference in conservation. Agreed. But the small changes are good for you. Yes. That's where I am on that. I agree. Uh, (laughs) So do both. Yes. Do both. Um, But now I want to move on to planetary magic. Yes. So something that I found interesting, because I don't really do planetary magic. Mm -hmm. I looked it up. And I guess in the classical system, Mm -hmm. the planetary magic uh, system is from Earth. Mm -hmm. And only relates to the things you can see in the sky from Earth. Mm -hmm. So it includes the moon, the sun, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. Mm -hmm. But it does not actually include... The Earth. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I honestly, I, I will confess, I, I haven't looked into a lot of planetary magic. So my my bent is more toward Earth mm-hmm. magic. Yeah, yeah, more sympathetic. Yeah. The planetary magic system, I guess, originates in, like, alchemy times. Like, m- music of the spheres? Yeah, like, 18th century. It was, it was, it was yeah. based on a geocentric model uh-huh. that still believed the Earth was the center. Right. And everything moved around, around it. Around the Earth, yeah. And so that's why it only includes the things you can see from the Earth. I, I got to admit, I, I have this kind of, like, I do have this rosy little, ah, the alchemists. <laughs> <laughs> They were trying so hard. They were trying so hard, man. Not getting very far. (laughs) 
trying to, to make gold and, uh-huh. you know, and, and discover the elixir of life. Which we did figure out how to do. Yes. But you need machines they did not have back then. <laughs> and I'm not trying to be condescending. I mean, I have real respect yeah, no, yeah. for these people. They were, they, they, were, were, they, were, they were early scientists they who were, were genuinely exactly. trying their best. And they were, they were early scientists. And I think that's important for people to understand how mm-hmm. closely connected. They were early chemists, yes. really. Yeah. And how closely connected magic and and, and science, science yeah, really are. are. Yeah. There's a a lot of overlap, especially in the early days. Yep. So yeah, I don't we don't really do planetary magic, neither of us. But but while I was looking into it I discovered that although planetary magic, the traditional sort of classical planetary magic system, because mm-hmm. it's geocentric, doesn't include the Earth technically, mm-hmm. because all planetary magic is done on the Earth. Mm-hmm. As the point of origin. Exactly. There have been some movements among individuals to sort of broaden the scope of planetary magic to mm-hmm. include planets that we can't see, like Neptune and mm-hmm. Pluto. Pluto. I would be all <laughs> um, into that. And, I think that's very interesting. And, and to include the Earth. So there, yeah. there's been some movement on how to expand a planetary magic system into a heliocentric model oh, okay. instead of a geocentric model. I actually have a book. I haven't read it yet, but mm-hmm. I do. I bought a, a newer book that I think it just came out last year, maybe on planetary magic mm-hmm. that I that I need to get around to reading. So yeah, I did. So I looked around to a few of those individuals who are sort of working on building that kind of a model. Who said that the Earth, the the business you use the Earth for, would be matter, mm-hmm. physicality. And manifestation. Yeah. Because sort of tying back to that original geocentric model, the Earth is where things happen. The Earth is where you do planetary magic. So it is the point of manifestation. Even in a heliocentric model, all the practitioners of planetary magic are on Earth. Right. So manifestation happens here of all kinds. Exactly. Um, so they talk about maybe you could set up like a, so I guess uh, some practitioners of planetary magic set up planetary altars mm-hmm. where they do different kinds of work. So they talk about you could set up a planetary earth altar where you would sort of pull in the influences from the other planetary works you were doing towards an earth altar mm-hmm. to manifest the results there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So so you would sort of set them up, I guess, in a geocentric model. Yeah. Or like you would set it set it up so that you had like an earth altar sort of at the front and mm-hmm. the planetary altars arrayed behind it or around it. And you would sort of pull those planetary energies into the earth altar where it would be manifested here. I do have an earth altar. You do. <laughs> it's not a planetary altar. No, but, but I'm saying we could make it into a planetary mm-hmm. altar and give this a shot. Yeah. So, so, so I thought that was an interesting concept. That is an interesting concept. And then there was a lot to do with sort of physicality and mm-hmm. sort of a pentacles in the tarot field, yeah. you know, where pentacles yeah. are very to do with material things. Right. Um, mm-hmm. the, the vibe I was getting from the people who were doing this work is that the earth mm-hmm. would be sort of material things. But I guess there are some planets that are also like, like Saturn has some wealth connotations and things yeah. like that. So they would be sort of shuffling mm-hmm. the work that various planets do to sort of figure out figure what out. Earth's job would be. Okay. Aside from purely manifestation. And it, there are some people who say, like, no, Earth should be purely about this is where we manifest things. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's it seems to be um, a topic of contention currently. Interesting. 
Uh, Rhiannon Gray asks sort of an interesting philosophical question, a speculative question. Okay. Now I'm just wondering how magic would be slash will be done when done on another planet. I think I'd have a much harder time connecting with my gods if I was thousands of miles away from where they originated. So would you have to more so connect to, like, Mars or a deity of Mars? Will future pagans on Mars or something be the first to make contact with seemingly alien deity? That's an interesting question. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I would have to believe that, you know, if if the Earth is anima mundi for this... Right. for this planet... Planet... I would assume... That doesn't necessarily... Like, presumably other planets have their own anima mundi. Yeah, I, I would assume that they have their own spirit beings, mm-hmm. they, their own anima mundi. They An- are, anima Mars. <laughs> they, yeah, they just don't have necessarily, because of where they're placed, mm-hmm. they don't have life as we understand it. Exactly. Thriving Yet. there. Yet! <laughs> I, I think this goes back to that discussion we had when we talked about deities. It's like, I've never been to Greece. Right. I've never been to any of Hakati's actual temples. Right. And like I've I've never I I have never and probably will never sit on a barrow of my yeah, actual ancestors, exactly, right? Exactly. Exactly. But that doesn't mean I can't connect to my ancestors. Exactly. Now it has t- it took me it took work. Right. Uh, to be able to connect with Hakati, and, and it took effort on my part to connect to her, but I was able to do that. Some of these things, I wonder if they're not so much requirements as shortcuts. Yeah, I would agree with that. Things that make the process easier. Things more that make accessible. the process more accessible, yeah. Absolutely. Because, I mean... So someone who's a very skilled astral traveler, try and connect with Anima Mars and let us know how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Um, go to the red planet. Yeah. Let's go for a visit. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. That's an, that's an interesting sort of thought experiment. Exactly. But we should save that for when we do Mars. Yes. We'll save <laughs> it because we are going to, I think that's important for you guys to know. Yes. We're going to be doing more planets. We're going to be doing all the planets. Yes. In this series. And so we will be talking about Mars. Mm-hmm. So we can shelve this for now. Yes. And for future discussion. And consider this. All right, um, I think that's everything I wanted to talk about. Is that everything you had, Gwen? Yeah, yeah, I think we we managed to to talk about the Earth very, very... Comprehensively. Comprehensively, yes. Yes, Good right. word. Uh, so I think we're going to wrap up here. Mm-hmm. Um, if you would like to find out more about us, you can Google Three Pagans and a Cat. Number three. Pagans and a Cat. Or you can go to threepagansandacat.com again. The number three. Pagansandacat.com. You can also come visit me on Patheos Pagan. Yep. Gwen has a Patheos blog. Which is under Three Pagans and a Cat. (laughs) That's the number three. Pagans and a Cat. (laughs) Um, We've got a YouTube channel that we occasionally update. Yes, I was trying to be good and I have gotten behind (laughs) again. Um, Carr has uh, Three Pagans on Tap. On Tuesdays. On Tuesdays, uh, every other Tuesday, that he does with Sarenth Odinson and Malik Odinson, where they talk about alcohol and its connections to their spiritual lives. Right. And they just did one last Tuesday. Yes. So it'll be the next upcoming, not the next immediately, but the one following. The one after Thanksgiving. (laughs) Yes. Um, And I think that's everything. I think so, yeah. That's all our stuff. If you want to, you know... Come join the Discord, mm-hmm. the Facebook, be part of the Euling. We come, encourage that. We encourage that. And uh, but yeah, the best. Even though I give him, uh, you give him shit for I give it. Him but shit really, for the it. best way to find us is 
Three pagans to Google and us. a cat yeah. on Google. And then if you want to put your specific, like, three pagans and a cat, Yuling, yeah. or, yeah. you know, three pagans and a cat, Discord, whatever, whatever you want to do it. So. Yep. But yeah, that's probably the best. All right. Goodbye, All right, friends. Well, well, thank you for hanging out with us again. We love you and have a happy Thanksgiving. Yep. Or Turkey Day or just or football just day, normal day. Or normal if day. You are not in the United States. Or Indigenous Day. Yes, it should actually be an uh, a day for remembering all the genocide we did. Exactly. Exactly. So, <laughs> uh, honoring those indigenous peoples. Uh-huh. All right. So, anyway, we love you and Peace. Goodbye. Goodbye.